Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Jeff is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Jeff. People are wondering today, I think, and they have a big question on their minds, and it's a fair question, I think, in today's world. And that question is, is faith about to disappear? Is, is belief in God, is religion about to go away? And I think the reason that, that people are asking that is that more and more people are arriving in the ranks of those who no longer practice a faith. Uh, people are literally saying out loud that they no longer believe in God. And I felt that I, I had to at least bring that up and raise that today in a message that's, that, that's called, I Believe in God. Because it's not as easy for Christians anymore to stand up in their community, neighborhood, workplace, in their family, and say, I believe in God. To say that boldly, confidently, means that you're likely to subject yourself to people who don't share that thought with you. And if you don't love conflict, if you don't love putting out a statement that that you know is going to quite possibly create some pushback, well, you and I might be tempted to tone it down. And even though we, on the inside, know and say, I believe in God, We might find it quite a bit difficult on the outside to be a confessing Christian, not confessing sins, but confessing our faith. You know that in this church, if you've attended for even a few weeks, that we commonly have a statement of faith called the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty. And we go through all the persons of the Trinity and we confess it together out loud. And there's a reason for that. Not only do we want everyone who attends this church to understand what the key beliefs of Christianity are, we also want to practice the idea of saying out loud together while we're amongst friends, I believe in God. Awesome. That is fantastic, and we need to say that, but we need to say it not just here. We need to say it on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, Friday and Saturday. Amongst our friends, amongst our neighbors, how do we get the boldness? How do we get the confidence and the courage to be able to say out loud, I believe in God? Scientists who studied this phenomenon that that people are are beginning to drift away from religion and faith in general, have noticed something, and I, I found it quite interesting. It says that, that um, in countries where the government and life in general is able to provide a pretty high degree of economic and political and existential safety and security, people tend to drift from faith. And it's, it's interesting to take note of some of the countries where that's happened. Let me, uh, let me uh, read to you. In Japan, the UK, 
Canada, South Korea, the Netherlands, the Czech Republic, Estonia, Germany, France, and Uruguay. These are all places where religion was important just a century or so ago, but that now report some of the lowest belief rates in the world. These countries feature strong educational and social security systems, low inequality, and all of them are relatively wealthy. Basically, people are less scared about what might befall them, says Quentin Atkinson, a psychologist at the University of Auckland, New Zealand. When life seems to deliver to us, as it does frequently in the United States of America, safety and security, we are tempted to think and to live under the illusion, really, that we're under or in control of our lives. That for the most part, we can spin how our life turns out and that life is up to us. And our worldview gets built around this idea that since I'm in control, since I can carry the weight on my shoulders of the outcome of my life, why would I need God? And that is becoming a more and more common worldview. Whereas in countries where there isn't the wealth and isn't the security, often people have to look outside of themselves because they don't feel that they are in control of their lives. Now, all that being said, even here, things are going to happen to you and me where we realize all of a sudden that that thought, that worldview that we have, that, that we're in control that we can do the heavy lifting of moving our life where it needs to go, something's going to happen to us that will disabuse us of that idea, and it may come very suddenly, and it might also come as quite a shock to us. And we see it all the time if we just turn on the news. A home invasion happens. Where did that come from? The Zika virus strikes, and it spreads rapidly, not to mention the cancer that strikes so frequently and the heart disease that strikes so frequently. And people who thought they were in control of their lives are discovering, I'm not in control of my physical health anymore. Relationships end, sometimes quite unexpectedly. Divorces occur, and it shakes everything up because two people married thought they were in control of their destiny. And that by their heavy lifting, they could certainly make this marriage work. And then it dissolves. And they realize, maybe maybe I just wasn't in control as much as I thought I was. Maybe I can't do the heavy lifting that takes my life where I want it to go. And that's what today's message is really about. Why we not only can say, I believe in God, but why we need still in today's modern world to say, I believe in God. And how it creates a completely different outcome, not only in eternity, which we know from the Bible, and it certainly does create a completely different outcome in eternity, but it also, it also creates a completely different outcome today. And in the days and weeks and months and years until we reach eternity. 
And that's why we need to talk about this because it is so important for all of us to be able to say, I believe in God. So let's dive in. And first of all, I just want to talk about what does that mean when I say, I believe in God? What is belief? And so you can write down these two definitions. First of all, it is an acceptance that a statement is true or that something exists. It's a statement that something is true or that something exists. When we believe, we automatically get that sense, that feeling, yes, that's correct. I can buy that. And then the second definition is trust, faith, or confidence in someone or something. I can tell you that I believe that in our world, there are basically just two worldviews that all little slivers of worldviews basically all head back to these two as their source. And you might be expecting me to say something like, one part of our world essentially goes all the way back to believing in God, and another part of our world goes back to thinking I don't believe that God exists and that those are the two worldviews. That's what you might expect me to say, but that's not what I'm going to say are the two major worldviews. I think the two major worldviews that are in our world, and there are religious people in both of these worldviews, and there are irreligious people in both of these worldviews. And those two worldviews boil down to this. And one of them I've already stated for you. One of them says... I have the ability to do the heavy lifting in my life. I can get myself where I need to go. I am responsible to be in control of the outcome of my life. That's one worldview. As I said, there are religious people who adhere to that and irreligious people who adhere to that. The second worldview is the one that says, I don't have that ability to do the heavy lifting in my life. It, it says, I need someone bigger than myself. I need a bigger purpose. I, I need something greater and grander to live for. And there is someone who loves me enough to help me by being in control of my life and of my world and my universe. And he will do the heavy lifting. And that second worldview is what we espouse because it's what the Apostle Paul espoused, and he espoused it to the Corinthians. And we're going to dive into that. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. You can follow along in your crosswalk notes. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you which you received and on which you have taken your stand... By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. So Paul is talking to the Corinthians, and he's saying, I want to get us back to the basics here. He's been going through this letter. He's 15 chapters deep into this letter, and he, and he says to them, all right, we've been talking about so many things here. 
But before I go any further and wind this letter down, I want to hit the high points of what we believe as Christians, as Christ followers. This is what's of great importance. There's, there's nothing else that matters, really, if we don't get this point. And he goes on to talk about how he has preached to them a, a, a good news message. He says, by this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. I want you to highlight several words in here. You can underline them. You can circle them. So first of all, I want you to underline the word remind. And then go down to the next line and underline or circle the word received. And then the following line, take in your stand. And then at the very end of that same line and on to the next line, hold firmly. As Paul uses those verbs, as he talks about the actions that he wants the Corinthians to take or the actions that they have already taken, he's really underlining for us what I would call the four touchstones in our journey of faith. And, and a touchstone is an actual ancient thing that people would use to determine the validity of, say, for example, gold. And they would have a stone, usually slate or, or field stone, that, that was very finely grained. And if you were curious about whether what you had discovered was real gold or fool's gold, you could take the gold piece and rub it across this, this field stone, this touchstone, and only gold would leave the right kind of mark on that field stone. Once you were experienced in using a touchstone, you would know whether you had a genuine piece of gold in your hand or just fool's gold. What Paul is mentioning here are the, are the four things that can help us understand whether our Christian faith is real gold, authentic, or whether it's fool's gold. And he says, first of all, this, this process of testing your faith begins with being reminded and listening to what you've been told. Listen to what Paul wrote to the Romans. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. If you want to believe, it starts right here. Paul says, I want to remind you of the things that the word has taught us, that the gospel has given to us. And if you want to see whether or not Christian faith is real, start by investigating it, listening to it, understanding it better. Read your scriptures. Be reminded of the gospel that's been preached to you. Secondly, he talks about receiving it. And that, that word in the original language literally means to, to take it in instead of push it away. And so Paul says the second touchstone is, is just to, to take it into yourself and consider it. Open your mind to the possibility that these things might be true. Look at what it says in John 1.12. Yet to all who did receive him. See, he, John has just said, there are some who didn't receive this message. There are some who didn't receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. 
John says in that passage, right along with the Apostle Paul, if you will listen to this gospel message, Paul puts it this way, by this gospel you are saved, and John says, you will become the children of God through the power of this gospel. Powerful changes will begin to take place in you, in other words. The third one is taking a stand. Taking a stand goes a little bit further. It's when the gospel makes you strong and firm and steadfast, unwavering in what you believe. And so things can begin to happen to you that might shake the faith of others, but you will remain unwavering in your faith. You'll take a stand. Paul warned the Ephesians that once a person becomes a believer, the first thing that happens is he makes an enemy of the devil. And the devil is not happy when a person becomes a believer. And so he is going to push back and challenge and send things into our lives to try to rob and steal our faith back away. Jesus pointed out in the parable of the sower and the seed that that faith falls on all kinds of different soils. Most of those soils don't produce lasting faith. Only one of the four did. And so we have to learn next to take a stand. As Paul writes to the Ephesians, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And the final one, the final touchstone of this journey of faith is beginning to hold firmly to keep it from slipping from your grasp, to keep the boat on course despite the storms of life. The author of the Hebrews says, but Christ is faithful as a son over God's house. And we are his house if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. It may seem like quite a long journey to go from listening to receiving, to beginning to take a stand in your daily life on this gospel message, to finally being able to grasp and hold it firmly. Paul's going to tell us how that happens in a moment. He's going to tell us here too, it's not you that does the heavy lifting. That faith and growth in faith and firmness of faith, the real work in all of that is done by God, just as God's winning our forgiveness was done by God. And that as we receive this forgiveness that Christ won for us, that's the Holy Spirit at work in our hearts and minds. You know what's so interesting? In reality, as much as we might feel that our world is so far from, from, from believing in God, one of the stories that I came across as I was, as I was researching all the, all the different pockets of the world where unbelief has grown strong was a story from Scandinavia. There in Scandinavia, there, there were two psychologists, a husband and wife, and they were raising a little three-year-old three girl. They're very rationalistic and atheists. 
But in a culture, the Scandinavian culture, which as a whole has drifted from God, raised by parents who don't believe in God, who actually believe the opposite, one day this little three-year-old Scandinavian girl came up to her parents and, and said these words, God is everywhere all the time. Three years old. And somehow in her heart and mind, she had this indication, this belief, this knowledge that there is a God. And even went so far as to say, he's present everywhere and all the time. And her parents were shocked because they had no clue where this came from. But here's the reason why I share this with you. As you begin to go out into our world and confess this faith that you have. And maybe some of you in the room today are not Christians. And we love that here at Crosswalk. We love that we are a church that makes people who don't believe feel comfortable. That's one of our goals. We want you to feel welcome here and comfortable, whether you believe in God, whether you believe in Jesus or not. Maybe you're in that group as you sit here today and listen to this message, and you're wondering. And and what I simply want you to ask, if you're curious, is have you ever had a feeling like that little three-year-old girl? just flit across your mind or enter your heart for a moment. I remember growing up myself as a a child that wasn't raised by Christian parents, and yet at times having these mysterious and unexpected thoughts about God come into my mind, and I couldn't explain it because I I had no background in Christianity or in faith, and yet at the most unexpected moments in my own life, I experienced what this little three-year-old girl experienced. And if you're sitting here today and you don't believe in God and you don't believe in Christ, maybe some of those thoughts have crossed your mind too. And and, And what this touchstone pathway is telling you as an unbeliever is begin just by taking that first step toward that first touchstone and listening and exploring and experimenting with Christianity. For those of you who've been Christians for a while or for a long time, as you go out and confess, be aware that most people, unless they have completely driven these thoughts from their mind, have those moments just like I did as a child, just like that little three-year-old did where they start to think about God and wonder about God, and you might just be their resource to take them on this journey of faith and lead them to touch these various touchstones and become convinced that Christianity and Jesus Christ are not fool's gold at all, but pure gold for now and for eternity. Let's flip the page. Paul goes on and he says, let's talk about what Christianity is. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, 
that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. So important for you to hear those words, because in today's world, faith in something has been replaced by faith in faith. Now, do you know what I mean by that? That was a a term coined by Daniel Dennett, who is an atheist who has, uh, as a sociologist who's an atheist, studied people, and in his scientific research, he's, he's taken note that there seems to be somewhere in the hardwiring of our, our brain a space for faith, and that in today's world, culturally, we're beginning to talk more about believing that belief is good, not believing that belief in something outside of that belief is good. So let me explain, because that might sound a little bit complicated. But basically what it comes down to is this idea, and we've all heard it. As long as you are sincere in your faith, it doesn't matter, can you finish it, what you believe, because what really matters is that you believe. And if you have a religion, it doesn't matter. The important thing is that you believe. That is teaching belief in belief, faith in faith. Paul doesn't teach that way, does he? Did you notice that? He doesn't say, have faith that if you believe anything, whatever it is, you'll be a better person a more comforted person, a, more, a person more at peace, a person going where you want to go simply because you believe something. Amen. Paul says, no, it's important to know what it is you believe in. In other words, as the theologians would put it, true faith has to have an object that it rests on. Right now, I am believing in the boards of this stage. But if any of these boards were rotten and I were to happen to step in that spot, what would happen to me no matter how hard I believed that those boards were strong and healthy wouldn't matter because the object of my faith is rotten. I'm going straight through to the bottom. And that's the way Paul depicts Christian faith. And that's why he says what he says. He says, look, guys, this Christian faith is historical. And remember that every, every person that, that Paul preached to in the ancient world, they were familiar with fables. They, they had heard of Aesop. And, and as you read this, it's clear that, that Paul is saying, these are not fables. This is actual history. This is not believing in an imaginary character. This is like believing in John F. Kennedy or Abraham Lincoln or George Washington. He was an actual historical figure that came and impacted our world and did things that there are plenty of people to witness to it. It really happened. 
And what really happened is important too. As Paul says here, that the son of God, true God himself, became a true man, came and lived in our place to obtain the perfection, the, the strength that we can't and don't have, and give it to us so that we could stand before God and be accepted by him as holy and righteous. Without that, we can't stand before God, but Christ provided that for us. That Christ offered himself up as the perfect sacrifice for your sins and mine so that we wouldn't have to die eternally and be punished for those sins. He freed us from that. And then he rose again to show that death cannot hold him. And if you are linked to him by the power of the Holy Spirit and faith, you also, even though you die, will rise again to eternal life. Amen. That is the message. That is the, the core, the most important message. And Paul is saying it is real, it is firm, it is something that you can stand on and never be disappointed, and it is all yours by the grace, mercy, and love of a God who constantly has you in his eye because you matter to him. Yes. Yes. Amen. John the Apostle writes this, but these are written that you may believe that, and here comes the object, that you may believe, not that if you believe you're okay, but you may believe that Jesus the Messiah is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Write this down. Belief requires an object to rest on. Christ's death, burial, and resurrection are the foundation of our faith. Now, Paul teaches us a larger lesson when he goes through this little history of Christ, doesn't he? And it's one that's important for you right now. What Paul is teaching is that if you believe that the weight of everything is on your shoulders, if, if you believe that you are the only one who can take your life where you want it to go, you're going to feel that pressure every day. And when you feel that pressure, your, your, your view is going to tend to get narrowed very much into the present, and you're going to tend to have a short-term view. And I firmly believe that this is what is happening to so many young people today, people who end their lives on the basis of a romance ending or a job not not, not successfully gotten, or, or, or someone important to them dying or getting ill, that those young people are, are ending their own lives because for them, this one event that they believed up until then, they had full control of their own life, they could go where they wanted to go, this one event all of a sudden taught them, no, you're not in control, and they have they have no other place to get strength and confidence, comfort and courage because they've been taught it's all on you. Paul in this, in saying what he said here in 1 Corinthians 15 says two things. Number one, God is real 
There are many witnesses to the resurrection and his power over death. And Jesus coming into this world tells us that he will personally intervene in our lives. So many people go through life thinking to themselves, I I have no one to help me. No one who will intervene if things go south. No one who loves me or who will take care of me when, when my life is not going on the track that I wanted it to go on. When God sent his very own son, Jesus, into the world, he taught you, he teaches you and me, I am here, I will intervene in your world, miraculously if need be, but certainly I am present and I am with you and you can trust that because didn't I send my very own son to intervene in your world and to rescue you from sin and give you eternal life? The second thing it teaches us, so important, is that God never sends a boy to do a man's job. You know the outcome of that, don't you? You send someone who's inexperienced, not qualified, and you ask them to do a big, big job, a job that they can't handle, and it's going to be a miserable failure. It just is, because you've sent a boy to do a man's job. God knew that he could not send us to rescue ourselves from our own sin. And so he sent a man to do a man's job. He sent his son, Jesus, to do the job of rescuing not just you and me as individuals, but an entire world of sinners from sin. And in your life today, know that Jesus is with you. And he's not a boy, he's a man, and he can do a man's job. And if you've got man-sized problems in your life, and you're, you're wondering, can God help me with this? God says to you, yes, I can, and I will help you with this. Amen. All right, last, last part of this. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I but the grace of God that was with me. Will you underline that phrase? But the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. Paul wants us to understand that when we stand up to say, I believe in God, that's a a huge gift to be able to say that. When... He writes to the Corinthians a few chapters earlier. Notice what he says. Not a one of you can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Your faith is God's gift to you just like your salvation is God's gift to you. And so when we stand up, when Paul finally, his head got turned around from, hey, I've got to do the heavy lifting. That's totally what he was taught as a Pharisee. I've got to be in control of my own life. And when his head completely got turned around, it came to this point that he's telling us here, do you know why I am where I am today? Not because of me. 
If it had been up to me, I would have gone in a totally different direction. Why I am where I am today is by the grace of God, by the unmerited favor and love of a God who gave me what I did not deserve. That's why I'm where I am today. And I'm telling you, when you grab hold of that, it's it's an amazing and transforming moment when the Holy Spirit takes the hands of your heart and you grab hold and you believe God is real, God is love, God will personally intervene in your life just he just as he personally intervened in our world by sending his son, Jesus Christ. God will be with you. I mean, it changed everything for the apostle Paul. Now, it it took Jesus personally coming to Paul and saying, why are you persecuting me, dude? Why are you doing that? But that moment turned Paul around completely to know I got to move off this worldview that says it's all up to me, that I have to do the heavy lifting, that if one thing in my life creates a crisis that I can't handle, I'm done. I may as well just off myself. It's over. And get to the point where you believe you have a big and very loving God controlling your destiny, leading you to where he wants you to go, which is everlasting life. And, and taking every moment and every experience and every person that he has brought into your life to lead you on that journey that gives you confidence that he is your loving father and that his son is your loving savior. Let's write down the last fill-in. Belief in Jesus Christ is a gift of God's grace. It is God-generated and utterly life-changing, and it will be for you too. And that's why I want to end today's message by asking all of us, let's stand up together, and as we stand, I'm going to have the Apostles' Creed put up on the screen. And together standing, we are going to say, I believe in God using the words of this beautiful ancient creed. And brothers and sisters, let's take it from here out into the world that we live in. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you sent Jesus to be our Savior. No longer do we have to pin our hopes all on our own selves. We don't have to do the heavy lifting because you will do the heavy lifting. You have done the heavy lifting.
And Lord, we can be confident that you are with us, you will intervene in our lives, and you will help us because you are present in your love. God, may may everyone who hears the words of Paul from the book of Corinthians today be more persuaded to take this journey of faith wherever they might be today, even here today in unbelief, but, but willing to take one more step forward in that journey of faith. And I pray it and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now, some closing thoughts from Pastor Jeff. I want to ask you to take your notes out one last time. Here's the bottom line on today's message. All of us can say, I believed in God because I'm beloved of God. It's his Holy Spirit working that gives us this amazing gift of faith. But as you look at that front page, what is the touchstone that right now you need to be asking for the Holy Spirit's help on and working on? Is it listening? Do you need to listen more to God and his word? Is it receiving? Do you need to ask the Holy Spirit to to help you receive this and consider it true? Is it taking a stand or is it holding firmly. What touchstone is the touchstone that you really need to be working on touching as you go about your life and your journey of faith this week? Let me send you home with the Lord's blessing. I'll be up here after. If you have a question about the message, if you want to pray, the prayer team will be up here uh, with me so you can pray with them. And uh, if you're a guest today, I would love to meet you. So come on up front. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen.